have no idea where my passport is. I'm sure it's probably expired and my toddler definitely doesn't have one yet. But today we are all going on a major trip. Do you ever wonder what it would be like to parent on the other side of the world? Today we're chatting with my girlfriend, Amber Duke. She's the mother of two-and-a-half-year-old darling Marlo. And at the beginning of their parenting journey, Amber worked from home and her husband, Billy, worked crazy hours out of the home. That's when they were in Chicago. Then after a huge life-changing event, which of course we will discuss on the show, Amber decided to take a job that would mean a family move. Billy, her husband, would become the stay-at-home dad. The stay-at-home dad in China. We have hit a lot of powerful and intense subjects recently on Atomic Moms, so it's summertime, guys. It's time we have a little more fun. So today, co-captaining with me for this episode is frequent co-host Bridget Maloney Sinclair. And we're both big fans of the Cup of Joe blog uh, series, Motherhood Around the World. So Bridget and I like to chat up moms who have the the nerve to, I mean, seriously, like serious guts to strike out on their own uh, in another country across the world. It's just nice to get a different perspective. So what are we going to talk about, Bridget? Um, well, about parenting in China. For sure. Yeah, we're going to talk about potty training in China. Yeah, potty training in China. Sort of the the difficulties moving your whole life from one continent to another. Uh, what she misses about America uh, might surprise some of you. Didn't surprise me. You'll find out why. Uh, and also we're, we do a beautiful tribute to her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, because I've got Bridget Maloney Sinclair in the hot seat, it's literally hot. Uh, it's like 95 degrees. No, that's a lie. It's 90 degrees in Los Angeles mm-hmm. today. Um, getting up to 101 by Friday. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh no. Uh, so she's literally in the hot seat. And, uh, so I want to ask her a little bit about what's going on with life. Uh, yesterday was crazy because of the fires yeah. uh, in our neighborhood. So that just kind of made me panicked about it being so hot on Friday because you just hope mm-hmm. that the rest of it doesn't catch on fire. Yeah, because there were hundreds of uh, firemen and that there were helicopters overhead with water. Uh, it was exciting. Our next door neighbor is a retired fire chief. And he, so because smoke was drifting to our neighborhood, we asked him, and he was kind of energized by the whole thing, which freaked me out. He it, was like, do you smell that? And I was oh, like, yeah, no. actually, I find it really distressing. Yeah. It's um, like the burning of dreams. Yeah, exactly. Uh, luckily, no homes yeah. uh, were hit, but we were all kind of watching it, and my neighbor kept texting me about it. And he, I called my husband, and I was like, what do I get? What mm. do we get? Like, what matters? And he's like, your kid, the dog's. Maybe your computer if you have time. I don't know. It makes you sort of realize all I really care about are photos. Um, and yet I don't take the time to back them up. So I was what's say, that say? You put them in the cloud and then you were fine until the zombie apocalypse. But Oh, man, you know. zombie apocalypse. Speaking of zombie apocalypses, I our earthquake preparedness kit, which mm-hmm. I plan to use with zombies, uh, that's getting a little stale now. I think there's yeah. some onesies that are like in the three month range. You have to go through it. I'm I'm like a. Do you know I'm a crazy earthquake person? Do you know? That no, but me? you grew up in I LA. Did. I did. And the '94 Northridge earthquake. We lived in Sherman Oaks, and our house um, had a lot of damage. And I was lightly traumatized, as I think most 11 year olds were at the time. 
Um, but I'm I have crowbars hidden throughout our house in case I need to pry. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because this makes me sound sort of crazy until you talk to other people who are like, of course we have crowbars. So like I now there's not one in the baby's room who's <laughs> a two year old. I was like, is it more dangerous to have a crowbar in her room? Or not. Why do you need that? Because you're to get out of the rubble yeah. or to open things? To get out of the rubble. This is like we're talking catastrophic. Right. Like good luck finding your crowbar. But it <laughs> makes me feel better to have it than okay. not. When it happens, I'm going to have one moment of laughter when I think of you saying that. Yeah. Well. But, but, but we all know that I have tendencies to – I laugh at everything that's awful and sad. It's like the only way I handle things. It was a big day yesterday. I got in a car accident which sucked so hard. Uh, it's going to cost a lot of money. Everyone was okay. Um, and I feel like I'm still not processing it. Uh, I could drive my car away. Um, the other person's car, just major cosmetic damage, I would say. Um, but every time I open the car door now, it sounds like a gunshot, which is a friendly reminder. Um, and that'll be getting fixed, but that happened. And then an hour later, I got a voicemail from the school that Sabrina had fallen and hit her head um but they said that she had ice and everything was okay and it was so sweet of them to call me and it was super cool uh and then the voicemail was great because they were like <laughs> you listeners that have listened a lot like will get this about me so i've just had the car accident i'm totally repressing it i think i text bridget and i'm like yeah you know this is terrible but not feeling things i get a voicemail from the school um you're so 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 everything's fine sabrina hit her head uh, she tripped. She fell. There might be a bruise. She's got ice. Um, it's okay. They're all about to go down for their naps now. And <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God, you're leading my, like, concussed mm-hmm. child to her nap. I love like it. Like she fell right asleep before we even <laughs> made it to the mat. <laughs> and then it became the question of do I just go pick her up so she doesn't take the nap? But you know what, guys? Uh, I do what the experts always say. I touched in with my gut and my maternal instincts. And I trusted that there was no way that my child would actually take a nap. So I knew I was safe. (laughs) And when I picked her up and my car door opened and it sounded like a gunshot (laughs) and I went to get her, I said, you know, did she nap? And um, her teacher was like, no, actually, do you have any suggestions for that? I was like, no, I don't. But I knew she was okay. Yeah. She wasn't going to nap. The kid, the kid will not she nap. She kept herself right, right wide awake. Yeah. She was doing the concussion protocol. <laughs> exactly. So that was my day. Oh, and our dog, Riggs, who has been sick, has pneumonia. So. <clears throat> and then the hills caught on fire. And then the hills caught on fire. This is all within like five hours. Yeah. It was a lot. I think today is the day that I'm, um, it's sort of hitting me and then I numb out. But it, I mean, it's. Everyone's okay. That's yeah. what matters. Except, except for Riggs. The dog, yeah. I was say, except for the pneumatic dog. Riggs is on lots of drugs and um, we're going to, you know, take care and, and keep our fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. What's up in your world, Bridget? Top that insanity. I mean, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Things are like, yeah, no, not even other than like the global catastrophic stuff. Uh, you yeah. Know, pretty chill. Pretty, Pretty chill, chill as long as you don't watch the news. Yeah, or listen to NPR. I had to take a break. But um but yeah, generally things are pretty good. What's happening in the land of Phoebe? Uh and will you remind everyone? Well, so she's two and a half. Yeah, she's almost two and a half. My daughter's almost two and a half. She starts preschool in September. 
And she's going five days a week because that's the only option that the school we chose after uh, unnecessarily exhaustive search. <laughs> we chose this one preschool that we're very excited about, but the only option is five days a week. So I'm very nervous about her being gone every day. I think, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I'm, we visited and she likes it, but um, it was suggested to me by one of her caregivers that maybe that's mysterious, but our part-time babysitter suggested maybe she doesn't have the stamina because she hasn't gone somewhere every day her whole life, but we're going to try it. Okay. But that sounds a little bit like maybe your caregiver just wants to keep her job. Yeah. Well, we're still, she comes one day a week now and we're still going to have her one day a week just after school, but you make an excellent point. (laughs) There's a chance now that I'm saying it to you and your listeners that yes, there was like an ulterior motive beyond that. Uh, and how are you supposed to prepare her for Montessori land? Oh, uh, well, that is not the actual name of the school. It's people. not. Yeah. But it, that's a great name for a school. Um, well, she has to be potty trained, which she is. Um, and then they really, you know, cultivate independence. So I'm not really, I keep making jokes about like, let's give her a broom and, you know, like sad stuff, Montessori stuff, but mostly. <laughs> um, Wait, can we just take a moment? It, there is like a Cinderella quality to Montessori. And our girlfriend, Claire, who's been on the show multiple times and she loves Montessori. We love Montessori. We did a mommy, a parent and me Montessori thing for like six weeks. I uh, knew we were going, we'd already been accepted and sent in a check to a different school. But I just wanted the experience. Yeah. Apparently, I'm like the only weirdo who's like, no, we're just going to go for the fun of it instead of like it being a jump through the hoops thing. Um, well, you showed them. I showed them because yeah. they were like, are you applying? And I'm like, no, I'm just here to <laughs> to experience. I'm here mm-hmm. for my daughter to learn how to clean up. It's Let's true. Exactly. And to pour things carefully <laughs> pour without things. spilling them. Um, yeah. It's, well, the practical living, I think that's what it's called, element is what they start the little kids on. So, And you're really good at practical living, Bridget. You cook. Me personally? Yeah, you personally. Like you cook at night. You make. Yeah. yeah, But I'm messy. But yeah. I have zero practical living skills. You make your bed. I make my bed poorly. I don't know. Our duvet, I got a new cover, washed it, got it all set for summer. And it's been on, the dog is using it on the floor for like two weeks. So now when I do make the bed, it's just a sheet. Well, it's been hot. (laughs) It's a great reframe, Ellie. It's been really hot. I'm dealing with mildew towels. This is so boring for everyone. The point you is... You say we've moved into the housekeeping portion yeah, the, of the <laughs> podcast. Which we've never, ever talked about because obviously it's my least favorite thing on earth. Uh, but the idea of practical living and how uh, Montessori really does a good job of, you know, encouraging parents and their children to slow down to have a mm-hmm. have a process you know to claire had me watch that youtube video there's like a little boy and he like brushes his teeth and then he goes on to the next step and and it really cuts out the chaos and it's very orderly and peaceful and um i definitely will have a montessori expert on soon because i admire it uh i wish i had more practical living techniques myself you could start five days a week in September. You and Phoebes could go together. Yeah, it'd be like our, I could be the Rodney Dangerfield of yeah. preschool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's a band without bubbles? Actually, uh, the 1999 classic, an extremely goofy movie, is a ripoff of uh, Rodney Dangerfield's uh, Back to School. 
And I was watching the Goofy movie the other night with my daughter, and I'm going to admit, I teared up a little bit. Hey, Bubbles, come over here, will you? I've been having uh, profound reactions to the superficial, like Goofy, or there's a new Hugh Grant movie coming out with Meryl Streep, and there are billboards all over town with uh, Hugh Grant. And man, this is not to bash celebrities or in like the whole aging thing. And it's honestly none of our business. And I respect the people age (laughs) appropriately. But I looked at that billboard of Hugh Grant and I panicked. This was actually just moments before my accident. Maybe that's what it caused it. (laughs) Maybe. I had this existential crisis about the fact that Hugh Grant is like not a young, hot guy anymore. um, And that we are all getting old. Mm. Can you take us out of this and transition us into our super fun, playful yes. uh, episode oh, with me? Amber? Yeah. Right, is live life to the fullest. And that's one of Amber's models. Yes. And she means it and she does it. So we'll be right back with our guest, Amber Duke. Hey, Allie. Amber, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. Of course. Thanks for having me. How many weeks are you back home in the Lone Star State? Oh, okay. So I was home for one week. I'm now in Chicago, uh, and I'll be back total in the States three weeks. You just hit up Texas. Did you hit up the good company? Of course. Good company and Franklin. Okay. And all the all the Tex-Mex uh, I could stomach. And, <laughs> and, and were you living in Chicago before you moved to China? I, we were. So this is like a second homecoming. You're like hitting all the spots where you uh, have your people. Basically eating our way through America and and seeing all the people. <laughs> what do you miss food-wise the most, Amber, when you're in China? Queso. I don't even have to hesitate. <laughs> Can you – I understand that it's a different thing if you're a Texan and you're really familiar with the Texas queso, so forgive me. But can you prepare it for yourself – when you're abroad, or is this like it's just different? Uh, I have, I I can I can kind of do the Velveeta queso, sure. which is like Velveeta and Rotel with. Um, they don't have jalapenos, so you kind oh. of have to improvise. Okay, um, but you can get pretty close. But like, I can't even do the math. It's probably like twenty five dollars yeah. for me to make like one portion of queso in China. What? Why? Just because it's like imported Velveeta. Yeah, because Velveeta <laughs> is imported. Yeah, <laughs> you might want. I think it's shelf stable, so you might want to think about lining your suitcase with it on the way back. Oh, absolutely, absolutely! Like I will get to forty nine point nine nine pounds just so that I can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was recently traveling and that scale, man, every time I break out in a sweat and because I'm always over. And then I really am so stubborn about it. Like, you know, taking the things I'm the jerk, taking everything out of the bag because then you're like, oh, it's because these shoes weigh 10 pounds. Like, no, they don't, Ellie. Like you're being overly optimistic. And then I have like a backpack that's 400 pounds and I still have to pay for the weight fee. And there's like a long line behind me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you have to like that. You have to balance and figure out like what is the cost benefit analysis. I think I'm, it's queso. It's worth it going over. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it's a delicacy in China. That's what we're going to spread. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to talk to you about being a mama over there. Your daughter, Marlo, was born February 1st of 2015. So you're a pretty new mama. And how is Marlo uh, liking it abroad? Uh, I think. I think she 
doesn't know the difference. I think it's just like <laughs> yeah. people, you know, she's, she's just along for the ride. She does love the attention. Um, she's sort of a ham. And so I think she likes interacting with lots of people. So she like, when we take the train, she makes herself known and says hello and then bye and blows kisses when we leave. So she likes that part about China, that there's a lot of people to engage with. Yeah. And you were saying that you live in Shenzhen, correct? That's your home base? Is that how you say it? Yeah, our home. Uh, well, that's how you can say it either way. Um, <laughs> that's they, how you say it, Ellie. Do I, no, I really, if we were going to say it the way Ellie would say it, it'd be like, I was trying there. I'd be like, Shenzhen, <laughs> do you live in Shenzhen? Yeah. Is that your home base? <laughs> the Z-H in uh, Chinese is like a G sound, so it's Shenzhen. Oh, but I didn't, I didn't really start pronouncing it that way until I moved there. I bet um, Bridget knew this. No. You just you just yeah. wanted me to step in it. <laughs> I, was, I was like ready to say Sichuan peppers. That's like as good as I've got. Okay, so wait. So you uh, say it's a small city of seventeen million people. Yes, it's like one of those huge cities that nobody's ever heard of, uh, and it's in this like area where there's like three or four like huge cities. There's like Guangzhou, um, which is the third largest city in China, Shenzhen. Um, and then Hong Kong. And so in that like little area, which would be if you're on the West Coast. So similar to like San Diego, L.A., there's like o- almost 40 million people there. Wow. Crazy pants because L.A., I looked it up, has like four million people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying so like cute. because I'm uh, hedging my bets because it was actually a website from 2013 <laughs> predicting that in 2016 yeah. there'd be four million. Yeah, around that many. But you, your town has 17 million people. So What's it like? Uh, what's it like on the trains and just being on the street? Are you? I mean, are there ever places that you find yourself alone in such a crowded city? Um, no, <laughs> uh, not ever. But it's just part of the adventure, right? Yeah, you know, definitely. I think I think a lot of people when they, when we say we live in China, they expect Shanghai or Beijing. Um, and when we say Shenzhen, they you know the blank stare, and they think it's this like small little fishing village or something mm-hmm. in the middle of China, um, which it was about thirty years ago. But it's a huge like major metropolitan super western city. Um, this is Amber. I'm going to betray yeah. my own Eurocentricism and America centricism. But is there if you had to make a comparison to a U.S. city, is it like? how people think Cleveland isn't, well, I mean, that's just on my mind, Cleveland, but like, is it like (laughs) saying you're from St. Louis and maybe if you aren't from America, that doesn't sound like a place you've heard of, but it's still a big city. Is there an equivalent is my question. Um, I would say, like we actually say we live in Houston, China. Oh, okay. Um, so it's very similar to Houston in a lot of ways. Um, Because it's rapidly growing. It's like rapidly growing. It's, uh, a lot of energy is there. Um, uh, and we're talking about Houston also because uh, Amber and I went to high school together. So we share that in kind of Question. What is the potty training situation going to be like? Is it true that mm-hmm. uh, most mothers in China don't use diapers? And uh, share a little bit about that. Yeah, tell us about these split pants yeah. I've heard about. Oh, yes. They are they are a real thing. Um <laughs> It, it sort of depends. I would say the if if it's a more modern couple, mother, I suppose in China, they, they use diapers, they use Pampers Huggies, um, and then if it's 
the grandparents taking care of the the child, which is a lot more common actually in China. Um, you see a lot more of the split pants, uh, or like right now, since it's really hot out, uh, no pants action, which is really funny because they're the same grandmas that are usually telling me that Marlo's too cold when it's like 80 degrees out and she's not in five layers. <laughs> Well, the pant layer is the least important layer, obviously, to these grandmas. From infant onwards, no diapers? Or is this once they're like a year and a half or something? Uh, it seems to be about the eight, like nine months, six to nine months phases when they start kind of switching to the to the to the full no no diapers situation. That's amazing. What do you do? Like you go to someone's yeah. house, you just like put out a blanket for your kid to sit on? Like, how do they manage? I think, I think they use like a sound to kind of uh, signal elimination. Oh yeah. The, the um, child does or the caregiver? Like, is it like a, the caregiver? Like oh the wow. So it's on command. So this is like elimination. What's, what's that? What's it called? I can't believe it. Elimination, elimination, elimination communication. Yeah, yeah. Elimination communication. So it's the same idea as like you're holding the baby over wherever you want them to go to the bathroom and making like a pee pee sound. One might say. <laughs> exactly. It's sort of like a whistle. It's only, <laughs> and you kind of get used to it. It's only weird when you're like, on a train and you're like trying to be a little modest that's super western of me i guess and you're like oh i don't want to like stare at this child's like naked parts yeah right um <laughs> that are on the subway seat right there's that element too it's like do not accidentally whistle also you know mm -hmm. on that note we'll be right back Amber, I want to talk to you about how super baby friendly uh, your experiences have been so far, though. So there's no diapers uh, for a lot of the kids. You might see some uh, itty bitty parts on the train. You're saying baby genitals. <laughs> Bridget's big. Yeah. Bridget is big on using the real world words, which is why I'm surprised you said pee pee and not urinate urinate that's no <laughs> so pee-pee's your little bit for our listeners who don't know this bridget is super big on like we uh, say vulva at yeah, home yeah and we had a oh that's what i was gonna ask you that's like a huge thing in my mom's group they talk about like you know you say vulva instead of vagina yeah i'm i've been a convert for years for me personally with vulva over vagina and now i've indoctrinated my two not quite two and a half year old and she we says it and the only person who said any negative reaction not even negative my father who who also cares for my daughter sometimes is like i think it's wonderful it's hard for me to say it to her and like you don't have to but that is the word just as long as you don't use a euphemism it's fine so yeah uh, there was a recent uti scare and bridget texted me and i was like and i said you know is phoebe saying does your that her pee pee hurts and she was like no she's saying my vulva hurts and i was like okay Okay. No, that's great. I can yeah. get behind that. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so you do say that they are super baby friendly, though, that there's like nursing rooms and play areas. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was incredible. I think I didn't know what to expect before. You know, you think of the, the big major cities and they'll be really accommodating, at least to, to quote unquote Western standards. But you go to some of these tier two, tier three cities where you know, they, they, they always have a Starbucks, but in the malls and in airports and in train stations, there are mom's rooms mm -hmm. and baby rooms and, 
you know, little playgrounds and stuff that it makes it very, very convenient. And so I was breastfeeding um, up until very, very recently and nobody ever batted an eye. And then there were bottle warmers in these rooms. It was just like, yeah, really. I nice. think it was something that genuinely shocked me, um, but in a like in a very happy way. How old was Marlo when you guys moved there? Uh, we got on the plane on her fir- first birthday. <laughs> I was like, "Happy birthday! Here's an 18-hour flight." Oh, wow! <laughs> I'm sure she was like, "This is a great party. I've never been to one like yeah. this." <laughs> yeah, undivided attention from both my parents for 18 hours. Yeah. Kids love that. And we had no choice. <laughs> oh, um, what else has uh, surprised you about parenting mm-hmm. over there? Um, I feel like more so than my experience in the U.S. Um, every, most people are willing to lend a hand if they see you struggling um, or to just entertain her, you know, when you, they're seeing that you need just like a second. And that's a universal, I think, sign in your face. I may not, they may not understand me and, and my language, but they understand that look on my face like, oh, and, and they'll jump in and, and help and assist, which I think is a sign of that truly it takes a village um, in China, that, that whole idea that the whole family contributes to the raising of a child and the success of a child. And they don't stop necessarily with just their family. If they see somebody else who needs help, um, they are absolutely willing to give it. And you've noticed that not happening as much in your visit back to the States? Yeah. And, and even before, it wasn't like people were ever rude, but it's, you know, people are so busy and, and even just the way that we live our lives is a little more separate at times. Um, you know, you kind of get in your car and you drive and you go to the, at the park, maybe people are helpful where the place with a lot of kids, but you know, at a restaurant, it, on a bus, on a train, on the sidewalk, maybe not so much. Uh, would you be receptive to that help? Because I'm thinking about myself and I wonder if I sometimes put off vibes of like, yes, I'm distraught, but I also don't, <laughs> I also don't want a suggestion. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we took this like total newbie, uh, two hour raft trip down a river in Wuishan, which is like a tier four city in China. And what do the and tiers mean? Like, really quickly. What's tier four mean? Just oh, fewer sure. people or? So, it's just how you, it's sort of population based, but it's also just a government rating of the city, kind of their infrastructure and what they have and how much money the government is giving that city in particular. Sounds like I the think. Hunger Games. Like, like <laughs> That's your lens, Ellie. That's your lens yes. on this. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Totally my lens. Totally inappropriate. I apologize for anyone no, I might have just offended. Just- um, Okay. I'm not an expert on it either, though. So, so would t- does tier four this. does tier four mean more rural? Yes, it would be. It would still probably have like seven million people in it, but Very big. you know, but like just doesn't have as much of the infrastructure as, as the bigger cities. Okay, so you're on um, a raft. You're doing a, a trip in a tier four. Yeah, and it's like you're tier four rafting. You know, got it. Tier four rafting, they don't have baby-sized life jackets. And we're like, oh, okay, let's just roll with it. And this, they're, we're just passing the baby around this, like, old bamboo raft going down a river. And um, I just feel like 
maybe I do give off that vibe. Like, yeah, here, hold my baby. Why not? <laughs> I, know. I love it. That's what I also love about you, Amber. Like I have fallen so madly in love with you through Facebook, which I feel like I should uh, shout to the rooftops because that's so rare. I feel like usually you get to know someone on Facebook better and you're like, Ugh, you know, like your Facebook version. It can version. go either way. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, you have a, a very endearing uh, Facebook persona that I appreciate. Um, so you're cool with going down rivers without a life jacket. How about cars and transportation? How, what do you do with Marlo then? Oh man. Okay. So we try to take public transit as much as possible. Um, so that'd be similar to anybody who lives in, in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, like you're not dragging a car seat onto a bus or a train. Um, but you know, if you're in a taxi, in China, you're or Uber, like they're you're not gonna get a taxi if you have a car seat. Uh, it, it's just wow. not gonna happen. Um, so you know that's something that I would. My sister in law is gonna kill me for it. We just do as they do in China, and she's we're just holding her. Yeah, your husband. Um, when you guys were living in the states, he was working super hardcore hours out of the home, yeah. and at that time, you were working at home. Uh, and now he is the international stay-at-home papa. So what has that been like with, I'd say, role reversal, except that you were working before also, but the role reversal for him, I guess, to be the stay-at-home daddy? Yeah, I think he is just the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he loves it. He kind of fell in, stepped right in and took over, and there are sometimes. I think at first where I was like, Oh, well, you know, should you be doing this? And he kind of said, I'm, I, this is my time with her. I'm going to do it my way. And, um, I let him take the wheel on it. And so he's has activities that he does with her and gets her out. They have, he got, he finally got her on a schedule and sort of napping at it at regular intervals and right. going to bed at sort of reasonable hours. I think he was maybe better equipped for it than I was. Um, they have their own little adventures that they take on. They found another expat dad and his son, Micah, and they have play dates and nice. daddy dates. <laughs> and so I think they, you kind of figure it out and, and he does it, he does it in a fantastic way. I'm, I'm really proud and impressed of him. Uh, I know that you guys sort of made your leap or you made the choice to, moved to a very, you know, far away land after your mother passed away. And um, I know you just came up on your one year anniversary of her passing. So first of all, we want to say we're sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, I was, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about your mommy to our listeners. Like, what would you want other mothers to know about her? Oh, wow. Well, she was the, she was my best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, but not in a way, sorry, I'm just getting a little, <laughs> um, not in a way that like, she was always my mom first. Um, but I talked to her every single day I was alive. Uh, well, I was alive and she was alive that we were alive together, I suppose. Um, but she loved kids and I think, and she always like her whole life was devoted to children's education and, um, I think what I'd want people to know about her is that even like in her dying breath, like she was all about just sharing love and, and letting people know that 
that she loved them and that they were worth loving. There's a beautiful photo uh, that I saw of, you know, Marlo with your mama. And it just must have been really yeah. special for them to be able to We're here with you. Um, it must have yeah. been very special for them to uh, have that connection. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, she found out that it was the end right before Marlo came. And so that last six months, the whole time she knew and she just soaked up every minute she could with Marlo. And um, it was very special. It was hard, but she got to do everything at the end on her own terms. And we were all there. And um, I think she'd be proud of the, the type of mom I'm trying to be and the the kid that Marlo is. So, you know, that's all you can do really uh, is just try. That's the best way I can honor her is to, to love as much as possible and to, you know, let as many people know that they are loved. When you chose to move, how did you, how did you tell your daddy and how did you tell your friends that you guys were going to go on this big adventure that, um, it that was about sort of wanting to see another part of the world, um, living your life to the fullest, uh, and also yeah. to sort of, you know, mark a new beginning for you all after this loss. And that's exactly what it was. It was that opportunity to live, live to the fullest. And that sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. It was like, we have this opportunity. Um, it, it'd be silly not to take it. And this could be such a cool experience uh, for us to kickstart for Marlo. And um, it was all done through the filter of, of her. Um, but it, the side benefit was that we really got to become like this singular family unit and we weren't distracted by much else because we didn't have a lot to be distracted. We didn't understand anything uh, at first. That is so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it like you guys cool. become like an amazing race team. Like yeah. you have to depend on each other and you're in these awkward exactly. situations. And yeah. how did you keep your temper? Because I feel like if there's a, you know, I just think of traveling anywhere, it's difficult or that there's delays and then you've got a small child, but then also like maybe you don't yeah. totally know the language. Like how did you guys, uh, how did you stay teammates? Do you have any suggestions for oh. those of us that might have a trip coming up where we, we just like are already, I mean, we all know that I'm, I'm the jerk in our, my relationship. I'm the one unpacking the bag to try to save 20 bucks, but again, Ellie, that's your lens. <laughs> that's my lens. <laughs> but what do you, how do you guys uh, keep your cool under uh, sort of frustrating situations abroad? Well, Billy's the barometer for that usually, because <laughs> I'm much more similar to you in some ways. Uh, <laughs> but we laugh. And I think that's what, when, even when we told my dad and, and my and Billy's parents who were coming, we're like, yeah, it's an adventure. We're going to laugh a lot. Uh, we might cry a little, but if you can just laugh at the situation and then look back later, you'll realize that it wasn't as frustrating as you thought it was. And specifically, if you're abroad, it usually is on you that you're not understanding what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and the frustration is in that, that misunderstanding um, because now that we do know more of the language and we've been through it uh, a few times, it's, it's like, Oh yeah, like, duh, that, that makes so much more sense. And, and it wasn't as frustrating or as dramatic as we made it in the time. Um, but there are plenty of things in China that you can just laugh about. And so 
uh, I suggest everybody just try it and keep your, you know, pack your sense of humor at the, at the top of the bag. <laughs> in really in the accessible. queso underneath. Yeah. <laughs> queso. Like, yeah. sense of humor, queso. Yeah. How about just layer that? <laughs> Amber, do you speak, forgive my ignorance, Cantonese or Mandarin? Or both? Yeah, no. It, it's, I speak a little bit of Mandarin now. Okay. Um, so I passed like HSK one, which is the first level of testing, I suppose. Um, but I can now get around and okay. you know, get to the airport, order food, and you know politely interact with people. I'm like a toddler. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so you and Marlo might be on exactly the same page. <laughs> okay, do you know how to sing "Let It Go" in Mandarin? <laughs> Yeah. I do. <laughs> okay, you got to give us just a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. Okay. It's Suetaba, Suetaba. <laughs> let it go, let it go. That's <laughs> I so can't good. Sing. You just um, did. But you're a beautiful dancer, and you just did, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, you mentioned your mommy group earlier. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about you, the name? Where did you get this name? F15 Vipers. So February 15, most of the, and they are amazing women. Um, so we were, all the babies were born in or around February of 2015. And Vipers, I think, came from, we, we were an offshoot of like uh, the bump, which is a popular, I suppose, birth month board. Um, so we made a private Facebook group and there are 50 of us and they're just the sassiest, sweetest, most diverse group of women you could ever imagine. Um, but we all share in common that, you know, we have children around the same age, which is a pretty cool thing in, you know, our modern times to have yeah. access to, to groups of women like this. Are people, uh, is there anyone else in China? <laughs> no vipers in China. They're, they're pretty much all over North America, but they always have a place to stay in China if they want to come visit. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Are you meeting up with any of them while you're in the States? Yeah, I met up with one uh, yesterday in Houston, actually, at the Children's Museum, which you haven't taken Sabrina there. You ought to next time you're in town. It's pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, and then I'm driving up to Milwaukee. There are a few that live up there. And you had never met them um, before in person? Uh, well, I've met. No, before the, before the group, no, I hadn't met any of them. But since then, I've probably met like, 20 to 30 of them. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, yeah, it's really cool and, and a good excuse for a road trip or, you know, a, a weekend getaway if you if you want one. <laughs> How long will you be staying abroad, do you think? So this, for my work, this contract is, is two years. So we're committed through next next January. But I think having done China now, we could see doing other places. Mm. Um, you know, it's, you kind of get that little bug of adventure. Yeah. Um, and why not, right? Like, how cool would it be for her to go to kindergarten somewhere else and have friends all over it? it you know, that idea of a global citizen, raising a global citizen yeah. is really, really appealing. Um, oh, yeah. I'm like thinking And to be about- able to provide that. Yeah, I mean, you're really doing it. I'm like, there's a great dual immersion program at our local public school. <laughs> you're really topping me with this, Amber. <laughs> no, but that's amazing that you found a dual immersion program. Thank you. Thank Tell you. us of that. Yeah. 
Um, so what would you say to a mom who's thinking like, God, I want to do this. I want to shake it up. I want my family to be my team. I don't want these distractions anymore. I want something new. And then, and then the next thought is like, uh, like, but we sell all our stuff yeah. and we have to find a job. Like what? Can you just give us a little pep talk? I mean, I feel like this whole yeah. uh, conversation has been a pep talk and I'm about to get Sabrina a passport and move. Um, but can you, uh, what do you say to the mom who's like on the fence? Uh, I think everybody has the capacity to do it. Um, you can, there, it's the same learning curve. Living abroad has probably the same or similar learning curve as becoming a parent. Um, there are times that are really difficult and you, you don't know how you're going to make it through. And then you look back on it, you're like, oh, that was sort of a sweet moment. And we got through it together. Um, everybody has the capacity to do it. And I encourage you to just explore it. If you're interested at all, explore it. And the worst thing, you can always move back. Yeah, that's such a great point. You can always move back. Well, thank you so much, Amber. Yeah, Amber, really, oh. you, you, are, you really sold me on so many different things in this conversation. <laughs> I'm feeling very uplifted yeah. and inspired. Well, if you ever want to come to China, just let me know, or even Hong Kong. Um, I'd love to show you all the ropes and hang out and, um, you know, just you can do it. So why not? Awesome. Good thank you, them. Amber. Appreciate it so much. Talk to you later. Of course. Talk to you later, Ellie. Bye. Nice to meet you, Bridget. Nice to meet you too, Amber. Woohoo! Okay, until next week, everybody. Oh, wait, and don't forget, subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a review. Share our website, atomicmoms.com. I have so much homework for y'all. We appreciate it. And uh, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. Atomic Moms.